Well, I'm here with Tom Ellsworth, uh, who was the lead minister of Sherwood Oaks for 40 years. So Tom, when you look back on your time at Sherwood Oaks, what is a favorite memory that just kind of stands out? Okay. Well, having the favorite would be like trying to choose which one is my favorite grandchild. You just can't do it. All of my favorite memories revolve around the people here, and uh, Elsie and I miss, miss everybody a lot. But there's one memory that, that goes all the way back to the early days, just right after our daughter Emily was born. And uh, Mary and Marion Young had a, a daughter, Janie, who was uh, mentally challenged. And Janie worked at Stone Belt, and you know, she didn't make a lot of money, but she took her hard-earned money and bought this beautiful little frilly dress for our daughter Emily as a present shortly after her birth and was so thrilled and so excited to give that to Emily. And I've looked back on that and remembered that that's just the character of the people that are here. So loving, so giving, so excited about doing something for somebody else. And so I look back with great memories on that. Yeah, that's a great story, man. Um, so when you think about the church, you know, we're in this Church yes. Matters series yes. because we believe that the church still matters Absolutely. and the people still matter to the church. And so why would you say, you know, from your experience, both as a lead minister here for so many years and, and even in the last couple of years, as, as you have uh, done a variety of different things mm -hmm. of serving the church, uh, why does the church still matter? In my mind, the church matters as much today as it ever has, if not more. It is the only plan that God has. You take the church out of the picture and we have nothing. It's not like God has multiple plans or multiple families. God had one chosen family, the church, to get the message of Jesus Christ out to the world. And it's true, we have a personal relationship with Jesus and we have our personal moments of worship. The church, there, there's nothing like the church. It is the only plan that God had for saving of the lost world. So if the church is out of the picture, there's no picture left. And so for me, the church matters because it is the only thing that happens in this world that has to do with eternity. There are a lot of good things you can do with your life, but what you do in the body of Christ affects and impacts not only our personal eternity, but the eternity of other people. One of my concerns coming out of the, this whole COVID time, Sean, is that, and I know you share this concern, is that when, when people got accustomed to watching worship on their computer screens yeah. and yeah. sitting in their pajamas, drinking a cup of coffee, that yeah. they kind of like that. That's an emergency fix. Mm -hmm. That's not a long-term fix. It's mm -hmm. like when the doctor says, well, you've just had surgery. You need to be in bed for a couple days until your body recovers. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fine. But if you say, I kind of like this, and you never get out of bed again, mm -hmm. you're going to die. Your, yeah. your body's going to atrophy. The muscles are going to go away. The same thing is true in church. We need one another and we need that face-to-face -face contact and we need to be in the body together because the church is the only thing that's gonna get us through the tough times in this world. So the church matters as much as it ever has. Yeah, and thanks for joining us you're, today. You're welcome, glad Appreciate to be here. Good morning. Good morning. I had it on and then I turned it off and then I had it back on. I turned it off and then I got confused. Which is on and which is off. Good morning, everyone. I am glad to be here. Even um, as the rain falls around us, I am thankful for this very utilitarian roof above us. Uh, I'm very thankful for roofs. I'm very thankful for breakfast this morning. Uh, Patty and Carla and their team put together a fantastic 
uh, breakfast this morning. I'm very thankful that our kids are in our services this morning. There's a few out there. Um, so kids, I am glad you are here. I promise to be as engaging as possible with you. You are a hard audience, much harsher than the adults in the room, thankfully. Um, so we're going to do our best. So uh, I want to start by just calling back a couple of weeks ago, I was in Kenya. And I got a chance to work alongside a medical mission team there. And we worked in what was one of the largest and most um, devastating slum areas in the world. It's called Pangani. It's enormous. Every morning we would get on a bus from our, the place where we stayed. There was no real place for us to stay in the slums. So we would get on our bus and we would, we would travel about 45 minutes to this slum. To get there, to get to the worst slum in the world, we had to drive through one of the wealthiest sections in all of uh, uh, Africa, uh, a neighborhood, the diplomatic neighborhood of Nairobi. So our bus would take us by these beautiful landscaped homes, these big gates. Behind one of the gates was the presidential palace where the president lived. And then alongside the road, you could see mansion after mansion after mansion with these gates, these walls. And on the walls were these brass plaques. And the brass plaques said the, the embassy of England, uh, the embassy of Germany, the embassy of France, these embassies line the roads. Beautiful, beautiful homes. Now, does anyone know what an embassy is? I suspect a lot of the adults know what an embassy is. Do you know what an embassy is? So give us real quick loud so we can hear. What is an embassy? You know what it is, but putting it in words can be challenging. You're right, it took me about uh, four days to put it in words here. So I understand if you can't do it right away. An embassy is a place where an ambassador and his staff work. Now, an ambassador is a man or woman who represent their country, their sending country. And so the United States ambassador to Kenya lives in Kenya, but he represents the United States. And the embassy is where he and his staff work. Now, the, the embassy of the United States in Kenya belongs to the United States. So no matter where you go in the building, in the embassy of the United States, you are under the government and the authority and the values of that country. When you enter the door of the U.S. embassy, no matter if you're in Kenya or if you're in London or if you're in Paris, you enter into the United States. That's a pretty incredible thing, isn't it? A really incredible thing. So I like to think of our worship services that way. Whenever God's people gather to worship, it's sort of like entering an embassy. It may be located in Bedford, Indiana. It may be located in Singapore. It may be located in Mexico City or Nairobi or Frankfurt, or Berlin, but whenever and wherever believers gather, they're entering into the embassy of heaven. 
This morning, Christians are gathering all over the world. Do we have a photo up there of, of one place they're gathered? I believe we, we do. Okay, so this was the place we gathered in Nairobi. And you can see their roof is pretty much like ours. It's a metal roof. Their walls, however, are a little bit different than ours. Their walls are made of blue plastic tarp. We're sitting on plastic chairs. You guys are in much more comfortable chairs than they are. And you can't see the floor, but it's basically a concrete, concrete pad. And that's where those Christians are gathering this morning to worship. Do we have another picture? I think we do. Do we not? No? Oh, I had this beautiful picture of a cathedral in England. And the ceiling in that cathedral was amazing, absolutely amazing. The stone arches reached up and over and came down. Oh, oh, there it is. Can you just look at that? Isn't that amazing? Now, I'll tell you right now, our chairs are more comfortable than those chairs, so be thankful for that. But wherever and whenever God's people worship, they enter into the authority and the governance of heaven. Now the place may change. They may speak a different language. They may sing a different song, but there's always a warm welcome and an invitation to join in worship. And no matter where I gather with other believers, whatever the lesson or sermon is about, there's always something that speaks to me personally when I go in and when I come out. And that's not by accident. That's exactly as God intended it to be. Church matters, as Tom and Sean, two of my favorite people, as they talked about the gathering of God's people is the strategy that God uses to both encourage us as we grow and to train us as we live out our, our witness as ambassadors for Jesus and the world around us. It's God's strategy for reaching the world. So today, we're going to be looking at the worship service, the worship gathering here at Sherwood Oaks. And my prayer is that you will value it as much as Jesus does. So let's pray and we'll get started. Jesus, the church is your idea. So whatever our preferences, we, we want them to align with your plan and your purpose. Whatever our desires, we want them to align with your design. So open our eyes today to see to see what your intention and your plan, your design for our gatherings is to be about so that, so that we, can, we can experience you in them. We want what we do to align with your word. So open our minds, open our hands, open our hearts to embrace your truth, to receive it, and to live it out. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the church, we talked about a couple of weeks, we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, but a couple of weeks ago we talked about this idea that the church is part of God's strategy for reconciling all things, things in heaven and earth and under the earth, back to himself. He loves us, he values us, and he's creating in us a new family. Alan talked last week about we are now the body of Christ. We have a purpose, and God loves the church because he loves you. We are his sons and daughters. We are his ambassadors. We are the representation of God's kingdom to the world around us. That's part of our mission statement here at Sherwood Oaks. We are people helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers. Ambassadors are influencers. They, they live out the values of their sending country, their sending government, and the, and the world around them. So we are ambassadors. If we're ambassadors, then our worship gatherings are like embassies. 
When I was in high school, one of our government classes took a field trip. And at the time, Germany was two countries. There was West Germany and East Germany. There may be some people old enough to remember when that was the, how things were. The capital of West Germany was in Bonn. And so we took a day trip. It was a couple of hours away, and we went to Bonn. And as, as, as children in an American school, we took a visit to the American embassy in Bonn. It was fantastic. We got to meet the, the diplomatic uh, staff there. We got, they fed us lunch. It was amazing. Later in the day, we went to the German Congress and walked there and saw some of that. It was really cool. But when we went into that embassy, so they would know, and we would know exactly where we were, there was a big American flag right there, right there in Bonn, Germany, a big American flag. I think there was a, a picture of the president. It was Ronald Reagan at the time. So there's a picture of Ronald Reagan there on the wall. Anyone who walked through those doors knew that they were in some place different than Germany. Though we had just walked off the streets of, or the Strasse of a town, of a street in Bonn, we were now on U.S. soil. When we gather for worship, we're entering into the soil of heaven. It's a place where no matter the values outside, inside, it's about Jesus and his kingdom. Now, Germany was a friendly country, so the embassy there functioned pretty much as, for, as a diplomatic um, outpost. But sometimes an embassy is located in a very dangerous country, in a hostile country. And then the, the embassy becomes a place of protection and a shelter from all the bad stuff that's happening around. Do you know that we live in a hostile country? Have you ever thought about that? We live in a culture that is hostile to God's kingdom and his values. The scripture says that we have an enemy that tries to defeat us, that tries to tear us down any way he can. So he uses circumstances around us, difficult family situations. Maybe it's stressful situations at school or at work. Maybe you've got problems with friends. Some of the guys in our church did a study a year back or so, we talked about uh, the way the enemy speaks into our life, and he uses three voices. Anyone here remember what those three voices are? I hear, I hear mumbling in the back. I want courageous, a courageous man to speak up loudly. What are the three voices? The world, the flesh, and the devil. That is exactly right. Those voices speak these lies, and they use things. They use the lust of the eye. They use the lust of the eyes. They use the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Did I get all three of them there? I think I did. But those voices lie to us. They make us believe that our lives are about something that they're not designed to be about. Those voices lie to us and tell us that it's about what I can get or what I can achieve or what I can control. And those voices leave us anxious and angry, and very often isolated. It's the voice of the enemy trying to make us forget who we belong to. So it's important to gather because when we gather, when God's people join together in worship, when they enter into that embassy, they are reminded who they are and who they belong to. Now, there's not a big American flag when we enter in, but that's all right, because the scripture tells us that God's banner, God's banner over us is love. 
That's the banner that we see when we walk in here. And there's not a picture of the president on the wall. We'd have to change that out every four or eight years. We don't have the budget for that. Instead, instead of seeing the image of the president, we see the image of Jesus and the lives of the people around us and the way they love and share their lives with us. Everything in our gathering should point to the values of our home country and its king. In fact, when you walk down the the hallway here, you will see some of those values on the wall. Remember what they are? We live like God owns everything. That's a value of God's kingdom. That means that what we have, whether it's, whether it's a tractor and a wagon for a hayride on trunk or treat, which was by far and away the favorite thing that kids did on trunk or treat, whether it's that tractor and hay wagon, or whether it's the trunk of our car, whether it's our time to grill burgers and, and, and hot dogs, those are all resources we, we are entrusted to. But they're God's. They belong to God. We, we live like God owns everything. We think like everyday missionaries. So we're always looking for opportunities, even on Halloween, to talk about Jesus. We create fun and refreshing experiences We want people to know that following Jesus is really the way to have the best sort of life. It's the life that God designed for you, and that's how we achieve it, by following Jesus. We mentor across generations. We believe that Jesus can use anyone. We talked last week when we did our baby dedication. Even little Liam, I think he was the youngest one up there. Even little Liam, God can use him to speak into our lives, and we can speak into his life. There's no barrier between generations for how God can speak and use us. And we tell life-changing faith stories. We tell others what Jesus has done in us and through us. You see, it's not just what you, you see. It's also about what we do. We want everything we do to point to Jesus. So when we gather here, what do we do? Well, we sing songs. We honor Jesus with our singing. Ephesians 5, 9 says, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And so we do. We do what the Bible tells us to do. We sing new and old songs that teach us about who he is and and we express our thanks to him. We sing songs that remind us of who we are. I'm a friend of God. I love that song. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave. We sing songs that remind us who we belong to. I love this idea of singing. My friend Quentin talks about how valuable singing is as an expression of the body of Christ. He says, you know, when we sing, we truly become like one organism. We're all breathing in at the same time. We're breathing out at the same time. We become one thing. That's really cool. Next Sunday night, right here, we're going to be doing a singing service. It's going to be music that we're going to sing some songs that maybe you know or your grandparents sing, songs that are going to be so much fun, songs that many of us know by heart. And it's not just us singing. We're going to have a whole orchestra here that's accompanying us, trumpets and French horns and violins and flutes. It is going to be incredible. So so be part of that. That will be so much fun. So we sing. We sing songs about Jesus, and we sing songs that tell us, tell us who we are in Jesus. The second thing we do is we allow Jesus to work through us. 
The scripture says that each of us should use whatever gift we have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so we do. God has gifted us with different abilities to serve others. So we do. We serve each other as teachers and door greeters and communion servers and musicians and coffee and breakfast preparers. And we do all of this to serve and encourage one another. And the scripture says when we do, we are stewarding God's grace. We are expressing and living out and sharing and maximizing the grace of God when we serve others. I love that. We learn how to live as ambassadors as Jesus when we come together in worship. Matthew 28, 19, 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so we do. God uses so many voices, young voices and old voices, right here among us to teach us something important about what it means to follow a Jesus. So in children's and students' ministry, in women and men's ministries, in our small groups, we teach God's word. Just learning a Bible study that meets on Monday nights. There's nine women that gather there, and their Bible studies can go for hours, but they love it. They love it because they are teaching and learning what it looks like to love and trust and follow Jesus. And then we're going to share in just a little bit a meal. We shared breakfast this morning, but we're going to share a meal with Jesus. And we do this every week. Acts 2.42 says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that means the teaching, and fellowship, kind of what we did this morning, and the breaking of bread, this meal together, and in prayer. So we share a meal. You know, the scripture tells us to break bread, and so we do. Eating together is so important. Jesus shared a lot of meals with his friends. Food figured heavily into the translation of the gospel among the people in Jesus' time, and it's no different today. God's love is expressed so sweetly over a shared meal. There's no... There's almost no better way to show that you love someone than by inviting them to eat with you. So we do that here as often as we can. Again, for Patty and Carla and their team, uh, just a big thank you for making a great Sunday morning for me. But, but also to those who prepare our communion, Kenna and her team, every Sunday morning they prepare a meal for us to share. A meal called communion where we remember God's love for us, a great way to express and receive love. And we do it every week. The scripture says that we meet with Jesus and each other consistently. And so consistently for us is every Sunday morning. Hebrews 10, 25 says, don't neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. How do we encourage one another? Well, we gather and be with each other. That's how we love each other. Being together is how we learn to live out the great commandment, to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. 1 Corinthians 13 has this beautiful passage. Maybe some of you uh, used it uh, in your weddings. Kids, maybe some of your parents used it in their weddings. Maybe you've heard it at a wedding. It goes like this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And the amazing thing about this verse is that it was never intended to be used at a frilly, fluffy wedding. It was not intended for that purpose. It was intended as the operating manual for what it looks like when the people of God gather together. Because you can't do any of those things by yourself. There's always got to be other people involved in this. To be patient, you've got to have someone to be patient with. To be kind, you've got to have someone to be kind to. To not envy, well, you've got to be with people who you're sort of envious of. We've got to be together to experience God's love. We can't live it out virtually, as Tom said. It's important to be in person if you possibly can. The Bible says to keep meeting together, and so we do. And something beautiful happens when we gather together. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart toward God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, did you catch that very, very first line? Let the word of Christ dwell dwell in you richly. What does that mean? Well, for me, it means that, that when I'm engaging with God and engaging with God's people, then his word comes alive in my life. It means I'm able to live out his story on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday because I've been engaged with him and his people on Sunday. Now, you can't live in the embassy all the time. Some of you wish you could. You like it here better than you like it out there. But the truth is that the embassy is not a residence. The embassy is a place of work where we, we do what we need to do so that we can do what we need to do out there. But if you came in here worn out and scared and lonely, maybe embarrassed about something, maybe ashamed of something, and we want you to know that this here is your home country. This is the soil of heaven that your feet are resting on. We want you to leave refreshed and re-energized. We want you to leave braver and more courageous, confident that God can work through you. We want you to leave connected to someone when you connect with other people, you realize you're not quite as messed up as you thought you were. There's other imperfect people around us. That's why we need to be patient and kind. This is a safe place to be if you are a child of God. This is your embassy. I mentioned three voices, but there's one more voice out there. The fourth voice for believers is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Instead of the other three voices screaming at us about what we should own or achieve or control, things that leave us anxious and angry and isolated, the fourth voice is a different voice entirely. The fourth voice is the voice of Jesus. And Jesus says, come to me 
if you're weary and burdened down and heavy laden, and I will give you something that the world cannot give you. I will give you peace, and I will give you rest. And when we follow that voice, he brings us into this place of of security and safety, a place where we know who we are. We know where we belong. We know the purpose and the meaning of our life. And when we get there, the word of Christ dwells richly in us. We're going to share here in just a second. If you're serving communion, you can go ahead and get ready. This meal that we share every week is a meal where the rest that Jesus offers is the focus, where we get to pause and breathe and reflect, where we can look back at the past week and ask ourselves some hard questions. Did Christ live richly in me this week, or did the voices have control? Hmm. Have I lived richly? (laughs) Or has it been a bad week? And here's the beautiful thing. If you are a child of God, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and find rest. Father, this morning, as we hear the rain pouring above us, we thank you for the refreshment that you bring to dry and dusty ground. We thank you for the way that it refreshes and nourishes the earth. Today, as we take a moment to pause and reflect and breathe, we consider our past, not just our past week, but our past life, and and we give thanks for what you have rescued and redeemed us from. A life of chasing after the wind. A life of answering to voices that, that are only going to leave us and abandon us. We thank you that you've called us from that to a place where we belong to you. Jesus, we thank you for this meal This meal that you have prepared with love. A meal that you set before us now. Bread and a cup that represent your body and your commitment. Commitment that is, commitment that demanded your life. A commitment to be with us and not abandon us to the hostile world around us. Jesus, we will leave this place. We'll go back in the hostile world and and we we will, by your spirit, by the strength of your power in us, live as ambassadors for you. But this meal also reminds me that there will come a day when we will no longer need to leave your presence. We'll no longer need to leave the embassy, the kingdom, we will be with you. Father, we carry it in our hearts and on our lips and our actions, but one day we will live in it. We look forward to that day. In the meantime, Jesus, meet with us here.
Remind us of your love. Remind us of your peace. Remind us who we are in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.